When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. 20 seconds to go. Wrist shot, save Talbot. Rebound, top of the blue paint. Wrist shot, Martinez, save Talbot. Kopitar bangs it off the back of the head. 12 seconds, wrist shot, Martinez. Save made by Cam Talbot. And here come the Oilers, 2 on 1 to win it. McDavid in for the left hand side. Dry Settle waits. There's the center pass. Left timer, score! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for tuning in tonight. 630 Chad is the play-by-play voice of your Edmonton Eskimos and your Edmonton Oilers. And it is a big one for the green and gold tomorrow night. Brick Field at Commonwealth Stadium. And the green and gold maybe more black and blue at this point. The injuries continue to mount. Simeon Rotier, a mainstay on the offensive line. Six-game injured list. He's out. So the uh, first-round draft pick from a couple of years ago, Danny Grew, is going to slide in at left guard. But the unfortunate part for the Eskimos is they continue to add guys to the injured list, and they don't really have any guys coming off it at this point. We'll set the stage with Dave Campbell in a couple of minutes, but uh, it's a pretty significant game tomorrow. Dwayne Mandrusiak, career game number 1,000 as the equipment manager for the Edmonton Eskimos. That is a stunning number in any sport, but in pro football, where depending on the league, you're playing 16 or 18 games, and Dwayne would have been with the Eskimos when they were still playing a uh, 16-game schedule prior to 1986. Uh, absolutely mind-boggling, a, a, a mainstay, a hugely respected member of the Edmonton Eskimos, and of course, head coach Jason Moss has known Mandrusiak ever since Moss was a quarterback back around the turn of the century. I mean, he's he's a. Uh... I mean, he's everything to our organization, I'll be quite honest with you. I mean, he's what our organization epitomizes, which is family, do your job, have a smile on your face every day. Um, you know, you don't do this job for 47 years without uh, consistency, um, graciousness. I mean, there's so many things about Dwayne that's great. I mean, when you first meet him, I mean, he's like anybody. I mean, you're... He wants. He has certain standards and codes of our locker room, and he's the gatekeeper of that. He's very prideful of our locker room. He's prideful of being an Edmonton Eskimo. Um, there's not a better standard of a person in our organization that you can look to to say what's an Eskimo all about, and that's the kind of guy he is. And um, you know, he treats everyone very fairly. A little bit different. Depends on who you are, and he makes you earn it, which every locker room should be that way. You don't just come in and get stuff. You don't come in and 
you shouldn't if you do it the wrong way you're going to know about it and that when i talk about setting the code or setting the example Dwayne's all about that so but i'll tell you what if you treat everyone fairly you treat everyone honestly you treat everyone like an eskimo should be uh, Dwayne's your best friend and someone that you'll learn to love and uh, feel very good about knowing him and being a part of our organization and that's what he's all about for rookies that come into our locker room they understand very quickly there's a, a certain way you have to go about yourself and there's certain standards uh, that we live by here in our building and if you're not doing those things he makes it very you're very aware of them after you screw up and uh, you know and, but the great thing about it is that's how it should be and uh, but once you are that way and once you become an Eskimo and you're doing it the right way, like I said, he takes care of you like nobody else. He has so much knowledge. He's seen so many people and so many different uh, personalities, and he gets along with everybody. And I think that's what everyone appreciate, appreciates the most about Dwayne. Head coach Jason Moss talking about Dwayne Mandrusiak. 46 years as uh, the Eskimos equipment manager. Game number 1,000 for him tomorrow. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Thanks for tuning in. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. We'll broadcast the showdown with the Lions tomorrow night. 6 o'clock countdown to kickoff. 7.30 for the start of the game. Morley Scott and my friend Dave Campbell, who's in studio, will have the call and uh you know you you know Dwayne and uh I'm sure he doesn't he wants it to be about the winning streaks and uh you know an early season showdown and it will be about that but we'd be remiss uh I'd be remiss Dave if I didn't get some of your thoughts on uh on uh, you know getting to know Dwayne and, and seeing his work over the years well I've known Dwayne since uh 2004 that was my first year covering the team and uh the thing about Dwayne is he's He's got an aura about him. So, you know, I knew about Dwayne, you know, Dwayne Mandrusiak and people who, you know, maybe are not uh, connected with the organization but have heard about Dwayne Mandrusiak and you meet him for the first time, there's this definite aura about him. But when you get to know him, you know, he's a very down-to-earth guy. And, you know, he doesn't like the attention, although you wouldn't know it when you talk to him because, you know, and he's not arrogant. He doesn't have this out-of-control ego, but he is very outgoing. But he's very outgoing with the people that he knows and his peers, right? Mm-hmm. He's a funny guy. He's extremely funny, and he's deadpan humor. Like, he's, you know, it's just, it's just one level for Dwayne, and then all of a sudden, he's just laid a zinger on you, and you're laughing, you know, and often hysterically. So, um, you know, and he's a hardliner, too. Like, he doesn't put up with any, any, uh, any, you know, uh, crap, I guess, is the best word I could use. <laughs> you know, and it doesn't matter who you are. I mean, you know, Mike Riley said it yesterday. You know, he's probably going to be mad at me, you know, for not putting my shirt in when he wants, or my jersey, my practice jersey in the bin when he wants it to. Sorry, Dwayne, we're media's at fault for that. But, um, you know, he and he won't, wanna, he won't want the spotlight to be on him, but he understands it's a thousand games. And like you say, you only play 16, 18 games, for goodness sakes. That takes a long time to get to 1,000 games. And what did Duane do today uh, at the end of the uh, breakdown after the walkthrough? He said, get the win, guys. That's the most important thing to him. But he is definitely 
one of the biggest personalities as you know as far as anyone that's been affiliated with the Edmonton Eskimos just because he has gone so far back in time 1971 I think it was 15 years old when he first walked into that Jeez. dressing room. So he was there for the Tom Wilkinsons, the Warren Moons, the Brian Kellys, the Matt Dunnigans, the Damon Allens, Tracy Hams, Ricky Rays, you know, uh, so many faces that he's seen and, and people or players that he's yelled at to put your jersey in the bin. <laughs> uh, he's he's fantastic, and he epitomizes everything the Edmonton Eskimos are. And what Jason Moss says, I echo, Absolutely. Shorts all the time. He's he all the never, time. Never in any long pants. Like it's no, always shorts. It's always shorts. The only time I see him in long pants, honestly, is if there's an Eskimos function, like the Eskimos dinner. Right, but you know? games and Whoa. practices. And the first time, weather be damned, eh? First time I realized this, Reed, uh, this guy's crazy. You know, <laughs> 2008. I'm doing the Eastern semifinal in Winnipeg with Brian Hall, and that week was. An interesting week because it had rained. It was really warm at the start of that week. It rained, then it snowed, (laughs) and then it got really cold. There was a wind chill in that game about minus 16, 17. Here I look at Dwayne Mandrusiak. It's at the old Canadian Stadium, Mm -hmm. the old Winnipeg Stadium. And here's here's Dwayne sitting on the earth, standing on the turf with, with shorts on. And I remember we didn't have heat in our booth. I'm freezing. I wore the wrong kind of shoes, and I'm just I'm just freezing my 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 feet. And I I say to Dwayne afterwards, "How in the heck are you warm?" Says, "There's no wind on the field. The worst places to be is up high, on the field. There's nothing. But if you look at his legs, they're kind of skinny and just bony, right? So, <laughs> but shorts all the time. It could be plus thirty or you know even minus thirty. I wouldn't be surprised if he was in shorts. But yeah, I've never seen him in you know anything but shorts when he's in his element. Well, he, he's a great story, and, and we talk a lot about team culture. And I think you and I both know, as as uh, members of the media, Dave, sometimes that word gets abused, and, sure. and the true meaning of it gets lost a little bit. But it, it's a reminder how, if you want to call them non-playing and non-coaching personnel, can help set the culture yeah. and remind player there remind players there are standards, even if it's a, a little thing like. This is how you treat your equipment. This is how you treat the train, the equipment staff, and the training staff, and the yeah. uh, and if if you have to go out in the community, this is how you treat the sales guy that's driving you to meet season ticket holders, right? But Dwayne epitomizes all that that yeah. there should be there are on field standards for performance, but there are off field standards for performance as well, and he's yeah. he's set those at an incredibly high level, and he is an important part of the Eskimos tradition. So that'll be fun. Dwayne Mandrusiak, game number one thousand tomorrow. In terms of this season. It's game number five for the Eskimos, game number six for the Lions. Only one loss between them, and that's because they played each other earlier in the season. We'll set the stage with Dave when we get back. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Motion starts. Roddy waits for the ball now. Settles in the pocket. Throws over the top to Zilstra. Inside the 15. And the Eskimos are knocking on the door. Down by five. Roddy takes the snap. Throws. And it's not complete. It's complete to the five. Touchdown, Eskimos. Vidal Hazelton wrestled the football away from the DB. Turns and takes it to the end zone. And the Eskimos... 
Eskimos will take the lead. 13 seconds to go. He drops back. He gets some heat. Delivers. It's intercepted. Intercepted. I don't see any flags on the play. The Eskimos have the football. Kenny Ladler picks it off. And that should seal the deal with four seconds to go. The dramatic victory for the Eskimos. Well, one week ago tonight in Hamilton to get to 4-0. Trailed the entire game. Well, almost the entire game. They took the lead in the final 30 seconds and uh, beat the Hamilton Tiger Cats to get to 4-0. I'm Reed Wilkins. Dave Campbell is here. So against the BC Lions tomorrow, Dave, and uh, it doesn't get any better injury-wise for the Eskimos. Um, I, I mean, I guess maybe Brandon Thompson is going to be able to yep. play, so he stays in the lineup after not finishing the game yep. in Hamilton. But, you know, I think the old line has been a strength of the Eskimos for the for the last couple of seasons. Um, you know, when they had that injury to Justin Sorensen last year, they, they struggled because they had to shuffle things up. So I'm a little, I, you know, I, I talk about my worry pants. I had to hike him up a little higher today <laughs> uh, when I saw Simeon Rotier out and Danny Grew in. And that's, that's nothing against Danny Grew, yeah. but it's the old thing. You're you're taking out some experience and putting in some, some inexperience. Yeah, and Danny Grew really pushed Simeon Rotier in training camp, and Rotier won the job. And Rotier's been battling, you know, in you know a, a certain injury uh, all season, I believe a lower body injury, and he's come close to not playing. And two weeks ago, he came close to not playing against the Ottawa Red Blacks, and we thought, you know, Danny Grew would play. So you're losing a lot of experience and a lot of smarts and a guy who is a, a very talented lineman, and you're, you know, you're putting in someone who's also got some upside in Danny Grew. He is big, you know, if he can get his hands on someone and get leverage, I don't think that tackle is going to win the battle Mm -hmm. but you know he's a big man and if he get him on roller skates he's going to struggle and he's lacking experience he's got lots of talent he's got tons of ability he's strong but he lacks the experience so we'll see what happens but that is a big loss so kendall lawrence ken dial as i like to call him uh he's out yep uh six game injured list as well he's on the six game injured blair smith another linebacker Six-game injured list. Oh, my God. Uh, what about Daquan Bowers? One-game injured one list. One-game so. injured list, but he's been really good on the D-line. Yeah. And uh, Gary Peters is suspended for contacting an, a, an official last week in, in Hamilton, so he gets the one-game ban for that. wasn't as severe. What was the uh, yeah. Hamilton guy that did Will it? Hill. Will Hill. Grabbing him by the scruff of the neck. What's happening? Yeah, this Peters. Listen to me. What Peters did wasn't as as extreme, but it was. I'm not justifying it, but no. you know, you touch the ref, you, you get punished. So, uh, so Kristoff uh, Malamba Chamanga, Chamanga, Chamanga. Yes, I've been working on that. I was close. <laughs> so he goes in at uh, at will linebacker. So the Eskimos got to shuffle things around a little bit. Trayvon Van, at least according to the depth chart, will return punts. Yeah, and I think you might see Brandon Silster in there too. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. so all right. So I mean, this this is the interesting thing. How how much of a sense, Dave, do you get? And I know Moss talked about it after the game in Hamilton. And, and look, it, it's it's the score at the end of the game that counts. But every game starts zero zero, and usually if you score first, it, you know it gives you better odds of yep. winning. The Eskimos haven't haven't started great. How much of a concern do you think the first quarter performance is as they move into the game five here? You know, I, I think you have to give the Eskimos credit for four and zero because they've played the final forty five minutes a lot better than the first fifteen, mm-hmm. and that's what matters. But you know, I think you do look at the start and you go, how long can you get away with that? Because you don't want to start playing from behind early in the football game even though there's time because you want to stick to your game plan you don't want to throw it out if you're down by a by a, a you know a significant margin Jason Moss said this today you know 
we can play with the urgency that we need in certain points in the game. Example in Hamilton, we need a drive at the end of the half to just feel good about ourselves. Just go do it. Go do it. They do it. You know, they need a drive to win the football game. They do it. So he's asking them, his his team, why won't you have that? Why don't you have that urgency? And please have that urgency at the same time at the start of the game. You know, come out of the gates with that urgency and get off to a better start. Because as much as we're talking about, you know, they've won four games in a row un, with under four points or less, um, and that they've won those games by a combined twelve points, and they've won those uh, three of those games by uh, come from behind fashion. Yeah, you know, can you see the bubble? There's that bubble. Right. Eventually, it's going to burst. Sure. You know. But winning close games is still a skill. I, I I still believe that to stay to not let. I mean, there's when they trail, it doesn't get out of control. I'll yeah, give them yeah. credit for that. They're usually you know if you, you're they're usually when they've been behind, it's ten or less. Yeah. Which is a manageable deficit, not a great deficit, no. but it's a manageable deficit. I'll say this: I don't think they want to play this way, but they're not afraid to play this way. You know, they've played this way a lot in the Grey Cup run in that ten game winning insane. streak. Yeah. You know, minus the minus the Western final, they played tight football games and yep. they won a lot of tight football games. And there's still enough veteran leadership from those from that championship year that you know it's still left, and they remember those games. But uh, you know, I think you can. It, what it does, it's a teaching moment when later on in the season, when you got to win close games, you look back at in June, July, and you go, "Hey, we won those games." Yeah. So they're they're not afraid to play them, but. They got to get off to a better start. There's no doubt. BC's dangerous. Uh, Travis Lule, we had on the show on Tuesday. He's uh, incredible. A couple, ga- I mean, one game off the bench, but he only missed one play. Yeah. So he basically he wasn't the starter, but he played pretty much the whole game because Jennings got hurt on the first offensive play. Yeah. So he throws for over 400 yards in both games. Uh, you know, they got a good running back. They got. I mean, is Arsenault still the big dog receiver-wise there, though, that the Arsenal, secondary... Ar- what's going on? Yeah, Arsenal is, but he is like 22nd in receiving this season. It's been Brian Burnham and Nick Moore mm-hmm. who have, have been really carrying the load. And the thing with Nick Moore is he's probably, you know, this could be his last game because Chris Williams is set to come off the six-game injured list. So he was a prize-free agent signing. He's got... Tons of speed, tons of ability. We know what Chris Williams can do. So someone has to come off, and Nick Moore, if everyone's healthy, Nick Moore's probably the one that comes off. But Emmanuel, Emmanuel Arsenault's dealing with some sort of injury, and they've actually, the uh, Lions, dressed an extra international receiver, which teams don't do that very often, right? Right. So there's some concern with Emmanuel Arsenault. But, yeah, you, you let this offense start rolling, and, and you're, you're in trouble. So, but the Eskimos, I think defensively, um, you know, they're gonna. It's gonna be a big challenge, but their front four pressure is still gonna be pretty good. Their secondary is better, but you don't want to, you know, you don't want to test that too much. But it'll be a good battle. A lot of people are saying it's the be- it's great offense versus great defense tomorrow with the Lions and the Eskimos. And you guys got the commissioner on the countdown we to kick do. off. We nice. do. Randy Ambrosi, a good friend of Blake Dermott, our in-game oh. analyst, former teammates. I believe they're having dinner together tonight. Um, so, yes, we'll have Randy Ambrosi on Countdown to kick off just after 6.30. Looking forward to it. All right, Dave, thanks for sticking around. I know you got some more game prep to do. Thanks for coming Thanks, buddy. In. Appreciate it. That's Dave Campbell, the producer of this show, color analyst for our Eskimos broadcast. And, yes, they will sign on at 6 tomorrow with the Countdown to kick off game at 7.30 against the BC Lions. We'll have uh, some more comments from the Eskimos and Lions as we move along tonight. Next half hour. 
She's already had a great basketball career, and she's barely into her 20s. Kia Nurse, Darnell's sister, is going to join us, and we'll catch up with Mark Spector from Sportsnet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Had Mark Letestu on the show last night. Also had comments from Oilers head coach Todd McQuillan. You can get the full story on 630Ched.com. They were both playing in the Mark Spector Golf Classic at the Quarry, raising over $150,000 for Sports Central. And Mark's going to join us in about 15 or 20 minutes to uh, wrap up the tourney, and he'll have some uh, some memories of Dwayne Mandrusiak as well. Career game number 1,000 for the Eskimos equipment manager tomorrow as they take on the BC Lions. There is a CFL game tonight. It's about to start 2-3 and three Montreal, visiting 2-2 two and two Winnipeg. We'll keep you updated. The Blue Jays played this afternoon. Another dramatic finish. Steve Pierce, a grand slam in the bottom of the 10th. So the Blue Jays rally for an 8-4 win over the Oakland A's. They actually tied it in the bottom of the ninth on a Kendris Morales homer. Bit of a fiery game in terms of uh, interaction with umpire Will Little. He uh, had Marcus Stroman, who started for the Jays, was annoyed early on with the strike zone, some of the ball strike calls. And then in the uh, fifth inning, you had a close pitch. John Gibbons yapping from the dugout. He got ejected. Of course, he came out onto the field and got his money's worth. And then a couple pitches later, Stroman said something Little didn't like. He got ejected. Catcher, catcher Russell Martin stands up, kind of turns around, puts his arms out, palms up. He gets ejected. So three Blue Jays, the manager, the pitcher, and the catcher, ejected in the span of two pitches, and Stroman and Martin ejected in the span of about four seconds. One of those uh, one of those interesting only-in-baseball moments. And i got to be careful here because you know, I'm reluctant to generalize. But generally, <laughs> I'm going to do it anyway. There are a lot of great baseball umpires out there, and, and I know there are a lot of men and women who ump in the Edmonton area and probably volunteer, don't get p- paid very much to do it. So I'm not including you, but at, at the I'm talking the major league baseball level, the, the major pro sport level. You want to talk about the big four, NHL, MLB, NFL, NBA. You are more likely to find a confrontational umpire than you will an official in any in, in, in any other sport, and for for some reason, baseball has evolved that way. Maybe it's because they're so close to the officials, but you will often see an umpire um, inject himself into a moment more than you might a ref in in hockey, football, or or, or basketball. And, and and let's face it. How many times have you seen an umpire look towards a dugout and, and perhaps even dare somebody to say something or with a look or a word in, incite something for a player or manager that, that maybe they wouldn't have done? I, I, you know, I don't like it. I don't like the arrogance of the umpires, but it, it's. I guess it's. we were talking culture earlier. I guess it's part of the culture of baseball that umps do it and uh, and generally get away with it. Uh, Will Little is not a, an old umpire. He's only been in the majors a couple of years, just 33 years old. A lot of times you might see uh, some of the more established guys do it. And last night, um, uh, Beltre was ejected for moving the on-deck circle. Like the ump said, oh, you're, not, you're standing too far from the on-deck circle. So he pulled it over, and the game was like an insane blowout. It wasn't even close, and he gets tossed from the game. 
So I, I don't, th- you know, I think I, again, I'm not, I'm not talking about those of you out umping men's baseball or whatever, in, on the diamonds around northern Alberta. But at the major league baseball level, you are much more likely uh, to find an, an arrogant ump who's mad with power than you would in any other sport. Anyway, the Blue Jays did win 8-4. They had some exciting games there against the Oakland Athletics. So, switching gears here, the Canadian women's basketball team calls the Savile Centre here in Edmonton home. They're getting ready for a big tournament. They are training here in Edmonton this week, and I'm pleased to welcome to the show one of the stars of that club, Kia Nurse. Kia, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Doing very well. Uh, You're back in Edmonton. Uh, Give people a sense of how, how the training is going. Yep, got back to uh, Edmonton a couple of days ago, and we're just finished third practice about five minutes ago. So it's uh, been really good so far. Everybody's coming along together very nicely, and we're excited to get going. What, what's what's the chemistry like on the team? Because obviously uh, you're you're not together year round. I mean, you have club te- club teams. You've been playing NCAA. Once uh, once you get all get back together as a team, does it feel like you are never apart, or does it take a little bit to get the vibe going again? I think it's uh, different year to year. Obviously, with this year being the first year of the Olympic quad, uh, we have a lot of new people who have come in and and kind of started to make their way into this level. Um, With the recent retirements of some of our vets, it's been a bit of a transition, but obviously, you know, we're fortunate to have most of the summer to play together. And then um, Miranda, I am, and myself have just recently joined the team for the third phase, so just trying to integrate ourselves into it as well. All right. Uh, I mean, this is uh, this has been quite a journey for you basketball-wise. I, I want to talk about some of the Team Canada stuff, but I do want to focus on uh, on your college team, Connecticut, because I, I, I'm just going to ask you this question, and it sounds almost absurd asking this, so I'll just, Key, I'm just going to ask it in the simplest way possible, okay? Well, okay. What was it like to win a 111 games in a row? <laughs> Um, I mean, it was absolutely incredible, and I think it's something that probably hasn't really sunk in yet and might not until I get older and think back to it. But um, absolutely amazing to have done it with three different teams and, and different players and throughout the years and seeing how you know we've transitioned each year and made it possible to you know get that many wins. You know, obviously Connecticut's been a very successful program, and they have had other streaks. But for you to be a part of this... I mean, certainly you're probably, you and your teammates and coaches are always getting uh, asked about it. Um, there are certainly s- several good teams in the NCAA that are ke- capable of beating beating you. How do you, how do you as a team um, take pride in it and focus on it, but not let it uh, overwhelm you, I guess is how I want to put it. Well, obviously this year when the streak was getting closer to uh, breaking the 91, uh, that was when it kind of started getting talked about a lot more in terms of when we had to go and do media and um, what other people were saying on social media and whatnot. For us personally, we don't actually talk about the streak. We never had a meeting about it. We never had a conversation about it in a locker room. No pregame conversation said, hey, if we win this one, it'll be 110. Like we've around where we are that's pressure that people put on us but stuff that we don't let into our own circle so you you never hear about the streak in a practice with us and that's what i think makes us as good as we are 
Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of hate to do this, but it, it did end, obviously. So in your career, just to let people know, you won uh, Nationals your first two years. You were stopped by uh, Mississippi State by a couple points in the National Semifinal this, this past year. It, you know, when that loss actually, when, when the final buzzer actually happened and you you suffered a rare loss, was it kind of like, oh, my God, what do we what do? we do? Or, you know, just what, what, what was that feeling like? I mean, nobody likes to lose, so it wasn't a very good feeling. Um, kudos to Mississippi State for the game that they played. They played a great game, and, you know, they, they came out on top, and that's the way it was for that night. And I think, you know, we're going to use the loss as a field or fire. Um, everybody says that you have to lose in a sport, but that's not necessarily true. But if you do, <laughs> then, you know, take it and use it in the right way and let it motivate you to, to get better. It must be, uh, I mean, I, I assume you have to embrace, and, and I'm going to use the word villain, and obviously I, I think you understand that I don't mean that you or your teammates are bad people or doing bad things, but everybody wants to beat UConn, right? So if you go into another team's gym, you're the you're the big bad, you know, villain team that always beats everybody. Do you have to kind of embrace that, uh, that jealousy or that hatred a little bit sometimes and, and use it as fuel? I mean, you absolutely have to understand it, and I think every season we know that we're coming into the season with a target on our back. Um, This season, obviously, with the loss that we suffered and not coming out with the championship, we'll still have a target on our back. And every gym we step into, no matter where it is, you're going to get the best game from any team, no matter what level you're playing against. And I think that's something that, you know, we thrive on. That's a challenge that we love to, to take, and our fans are absolutely incredible around the country not only will we sell out games in you know our our home place but they're always on the road and sometimes we actually outnumber the opposing team's fans so um very fortunate to to be in that position and it's something that we uh relish well and you make a good point right because you probably you you've probably won over as many fans as you have people cheering against you because you've been so successful so yeah obviously you you travel well i guess would be the way people would put it kia nurse joining us tonight on inside sports i, I gotta ask you uh, one more gino or uh, oriama your head coach at uh yukon he's been incredibly successful reading off his resume would take hours but now that you you know you've had him as your coach for three years what do you think allows him not just to be you know successful short term but I mean he has had a long and and brilliant career what makes him such a special coach do you think I think he's just very good at never settling for average or good and when you think you do something right he'll tell you but at the same time he'll tell you exactly when you did it wrong and why you did it wrong and how you can fix it and he has a an understanding of holding people to certain expectations. When you come to Connecticut, there's a culture that you already have to understand and have to learn and know that this is what a Connecticut basketball player does. This is how they act. And this is because the people who came before you have put this opportunity out there for you to get all the extra opportunities that we do because we're Connecticut. So I think he holds, if you're a walk-on, if you're the best player, if you are the last player to come off the bench, he doesn't care. He holds you to the exact same standards that he held the people who came before us to. So him and uh, Coach Daly have done a great job of building up the dynasty that they have now. Okay. Kia Nurse joining us on Inside Sports. All right. So you continue with the uh, Canadian uh, women's team. Uh, if I'm remembering uh, correctly, close loss to France 
in the Olympics last year in the quarterfinals. Does that sound right? After yep. uh, after going three and two, uh, you know, you were in a tough pool with the U.S. and Spain, uh, so you went three and two, and then just couldn't quite get by France. Kia, give me your sense of because uh, you know the, the, you guys have done well internationally. I think you won over a lot of fans by you know playing that batch of games last year uh, in Edmonton and doing really well just before the Olympics. Um, just give me a sense of uh, of where you guys are internationally. How close do you think you are? Um, you know, you've been a top 10 team. How far do you think you are from being a top five team? Well, as of uh, this year and as of what we've completed in the last quad, we're actually ranked sixth in the world. So um, we're doing really well right now. Obviously, we have a lot of expectations for ourselves, and I think we've changed the scope of women's basketball in Canada, definitely with the number of games we had at Pan Am's, the number of games we were able to play in Edmonton. And we got people talking, and I think that was important for us especially on the women's side for Canada basketball and I think that's you know basketball's on the rise in Canada so it's great to see all the people coming out all the people getting excited about playing basketball and the young girls who um, are going to get great opportunities in life from playing a sport like this. Okay uh, so you're, you're training here in Edmonton and uh, what is it a couple weeks you got a tournament uh, coming up in August let people know what's going on here. Yep, so we're in Edmonton until the 8th, and then we will be traveling, or sorry, till the 2nd, and then we'll be traveling to Argentina to play in a tournament which starts on August 6th through the 13th, and that's the FIBA America Cup, so it's going to qualify us for Worlds if we come um, first, second, or third. Okay, awesome. Uh, Kia, we can't do a talk show in Edmonton uh, without talking a, a, a little bit of hockey. Um, I, I'm going to go back a little bit first because I have not got to ask you this. You probably saw the video um, in Ottawa. Darnell got in a fight and your dad was on TV uh, standing up very enthusiastically cheering. When you saw that, I'm assuming you saw it, uh, <laughs> what, what did you think? <laughs> Um, I kind of just laughed at it. And it's something my dad would do. Um, he has a personality like that, and you know, Darnell was kind of known for some of his toughness. So, um, it was definitely a, a funny kind of Snapchat and Instagram thing that people were sending to me. Okay, did you did you get to enjoy uh, any Oilers playoff games? I know you're incredibly busy, but did you get to watch some playoff hockey this spring? I got down for Game Six, so came in for the 24 hours to watch Game Six and. That was pretty incredible. 7-1, yeah, that was a special night for sure. Hey, Kia, you're a great interview. Thanks for sharing some of your experiences with us. Uh, I, I hope we're doing interviews like these for a long time to come because you do a great job representing Canada, and it's great to have you here in Edmonton with the women's team. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me on. That is Kia Nurse checking in tonight, working out with the Canadian women's basketball team here in Edmonton. And... Interesting stuff there about playing for the University of Connecticut. They have been a complete powerhouse in American college women's basketball. And uh, she's only 21, folks, so she has another year left at UConn, and she'll be representing Canada a long time. But, yeah, her the Huskies won 111 straight games. She lost the game early in her freshman season and then didn't lose again until the national semifinal uh, in her junior season, now going into her senior year. And she did... Uh, Interesting explanation of the standards there, the expectations if you play for UConn and how that program is successful year after year. Good stuff. Thanks to Kia for coming on. All right, it is 6.48. We'll catch up with Mark Spector from Sportsnet when we get back. Inside Sports on Eskimos Radio, 6.30 chat. All right, Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. It is 6.51. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for checking in. Uh, fun start to the show. We had Dave Campbell on 
Teeing up Esks and Lions. Our coverage tomorrow starts at 6. Kia Nurse, man, she is a, a very thoughtful interview. 21 years of age. I guess you get used to doing a lot of interviews when you're the best women's basketball player in Canada and you're a key part of a team that had a 111 game winning streak. She's going to be good for years to come. Uh, coming up later, this is going to be really cool. Elsa McDonald's going to be in studio. She won that Sinister 7 race earlier this month. You may have heard of this. It's uh, in the Crow's Nest Pass area in southern Alberta. It's a 160-kilometer race. 160 kilometers. Uh, she's from St. Albert. She's been in the Boston Marathon, so uh, we'll find out how you possibly survive something like that. Mark Spector's on the line. Uh, Mark, I get tired just talking about that. I don't know how you feel hearing about it. Ay, ay, ay. That's insane, man. Are you kidding me? I, I, my decision is if I'm going to try to walk 18 once in a while, I always end up carting. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Uh, there's a few things I want to hit on you here in limited time, but I do want to throw you this. I have found uh, in my career in the media, though you often get the best stories from the endurance athletes. I don't know if you've found that in, in your time as, as a writer, but a lot of times you get the best stories from the people in the endurance uh, sports. Well, because, I mean, they're, it's, you know, every game day for them is a true, you know, life-changing experience. I ran a marathon once, right, like 20 years ago, and my God, I'll never forget it. And these guys do way more than that, obviously. They do, you know, 160-kilometer races at a high level and, and go through you know, the, I mean, the stuff they go through, they're a hell of a story. Every race is a hell of a story. I mean, I like hockey as much as the next guy, but Connor McDavid plays a 60-minute hockey game. Uh, it doesn't equate to, uh, you know, what our girl from St. Albert's going to try to pull off here. Yeah, awesome stuff. Mark, uh, I want to ask you, before we go over your golf tournament from yesterday, which was a huge success, Look, Eskimos-Lions, great showdown tomorrow, but uh, Dwayne Mandrusiak, I mean, look, a thousand games in football, that is, I don't, I don't even know how that happens. I guess you just never quit, but uh, Dwayne has pulled it out. You've known Dwayne, thousand games with the Eskimos tomorrow. What, what an accomplishment. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, you got to do the math, right? He's, what do you play? If we're going to count it, we're, I assume we're counting uh, exhibition games in this. So you're looking at 20 games a year, 18 and two. In the old days, it was 16 and four. And let's say you play a playoff game every year just for fun. Uh, you know, the Eskimos generally play one, so that's about 21 games a year. So, you know, that means that you have to be around for darn near 50 years. Yep. <laughs> right? Is my math right on this? Yeah, he started in '71. Yeah. You know, '71. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, he's coming on. He's over 45 years now. So. Why does this? Why is this such a unique story in football? Because nobody spends fifty years working for the same team, man. Like it's absolutely unheard of. And uh, I mean, it tells you two things. It tells you what a, you know, a fabulous, um, you know, what an Edmontonian Dwayne Mandrusiak has been, uh, and he just bleeds the green and gold. But what it also tells me is we've seen a lot of people get let go from all kinds of different positions in sports. And the Eskimos have kept Dwayne in the fold for 50 years. And the reason is, he's really good at what he does. He's a, you know, he, he bleeds the colors. He works his butt off in that place and always has. And uh, that's how you keep a job for 50 years, uh, Reed, is you, be, you become too valuable to let go. Yeah, well said. Yeah, it's going to be fun tomorrow night for sure. Okay, 
I was out there uh, at the quarry uh, yesterday for uh, the Todd McClellan availability. I got to talk to Mark Letestu as well. They were a couple of the mini celebrities playing in your tournament. I know that the unofficial total I got from you yesterday was $150,000. Uh, I'm not going to ask it for down to the penny, but that is uh, a, a great amount. Uh, Sports Central, you raise money for it. Todd McClellan's on board as uh, as the spokesperson, which is it, it, it was, it's important to have you know the Oilers coach and Oilers players get involved as well. But just a great day yesterday. Yeah, it, it really was. I mean, you first you're blessed with weather. There wasn't a single cloud. I, I kept looking for the first cloud, and I saw it at about eight at night. You know, when we were having a, a beer after the whole day was done. Uh, but you know, the Morris. I mean, these you know how these things work. They work on the back of of the people who come out and pay to golf, the people who sponsor us. I mean, you know, I don't have, I'd love to list off all our sponsors from, you know, the Supreme Group down through Vivo to, you know, Dan Stanichi and all these people. I don't have time, but I think we all know this, Reed. In our economy, and I, I won't speak for each of the, of the business people that, that sponsor us at Sports Central, but the economy's not great. And some of those people have had to, you know, they've had to tighten their belts, all of them. And, and I'm sure that some of them had to let some people go over the last few years. And somehow, some way, you know, they find it in their hearts to to make sure that they sponsor a cause that, that you know, we try to help kids around Edmonton and northern Alberta. And we get kids on bikes. And we put nine, you know, 8,500, 9,000 kids a year into the game one way or another, whether it's sports or hockey or soccer or basketball or whatever it is. And, you know, that to me is the big thing. These, these businesses that have... Some, some of them are, you know, the bottom line isn't always what it was 10 years ago, some years, but they find a place, right? They find a way to still give back to the community. And, and for that, we are very thankful. Mark, great job. Thanks again for coming on. I know you're on with Bob once a week, but thanks for making time for Inside Sports, man. I'll see you soon, okay? Hey, it's a pleasure. Call anytime, Reed. Sportsnet's Mark Spector checking in tonight. Montreal and Winnipeg, 7-7. Seven minutes into the first quarter. CFL action uh, tonight as week six kicks off. We're going to be back talking a little NASCAR Pinty series. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.